Welcome back, guys, for another podcast of Ball Squad. We're here today. I'm Alex Richardson, and I'm here with Mike. Hey, y'all. And with Noah. What's good? And today we're going to be talking about a few different things. We're going to start with who is the greatest coach of all time in the NBA? Is it Greg Popovich or is it Phil Jackson? And then we're going to talk a little bit about the horse tournament that's coming up this weekend in the NBA. And we're going to finish up talking about who had the best season and did not win the MVP award in the NBA. So we're going to start out with the first topic, Phil Jackson versus Greg Popovich. And we'll start with Mike. What do you think? All right. So it's pretty clearly Phil Jackson. You know, I think it's it's pretty obvious that, you know, he's the best coach of all time. You can't – it's pretty difficult to argue with it. First of all, I got to say 11 rings – like, winning 11 rings as a coach is impressive no matter how you slant it. And not just 11 rings, but three, two three-peats. No, three three-peats because he three-peated twice with Jordan and he three-peated with Kobe and Shaq. And then one repeat with Kobe and Pau Gasol. That's impressive to me. And I think just having that 11 rings compared to Pop's five, it's just hard to argue against that. Another few things that he had is he never had a losing season. He always made playoffs with every team he was in. He had the highest winning percentage ever out of all the coaches. Well, out of Hall of Fame coaches, I should say. And then um, one big thing is he popularized the triangle offense in the NBA, pretty much revolutionary, revolutionizing like offense in the NBA and making the game better to watch and you know things like that. Just the the strategy is still even used today it's just such a legendary thing he didn't create the strategy but he was the first one to really utilize it in the nba and obviously it was successful and some more arguments for him you know you could say that he had lots of talent which of course he did um you know he had michael jordan he had pal gasol he had kobe he had Shaq. you know all great hall of fame players but there was one year when he left the lakers I think it was in 2004, and he the Lakers did terrible. They didn't even make playoffs. They didn't do anything. That was the year after Shaq left as well. So I think that just goes to show what Phil Jackson brought to the team. He also, his nickname was the Zen Master. He mastered, you know, being a player's coach, you know, having emotion and, you know, just basically controlling the emotions of his players, especially he played with high ego guys like Kobe and Shaq and Jordan. Uh, You know, we've all heard crazy stories about these three guys that kind of show, you know, they might be hard to manage, but Phil Jackson, you know, he managed it. Uh, There was this one story when the Lakers were playing the Trailblazers in game seven of the 2000 playoffs where, you know, the Lakers were down 15 going to the fourth and he basically, Phil Jackson on you know, in the huddle was just like, all right, guys, it's over. Like, you had a good year, whatever it was. And then Kobe and Shaq were just like, nah. And then they came back and won it. And Phil Jackson didn't actually mean that, okay, we had a good year. He just knew, like, all right, this is how I'm going to motivate Kobe and Shaq to, you know, come back and the rest of the team. So he's just like a master of emotions. And honestly, I've never seen anything like that from any other coach in the NBA. Of course, there's great player coaches, but Phil Jackson to me, there's a reason he's nicknamed the Zen Master. Um, so that's pretty much my argument for Phil Jackson. I think he's the GOAT coach. He just His winning can't really be matched. Yeah, you can argue he had great rosters, but honestly, you know, 
I don't think that should be a knock against him. Like, if he hadn't won with those amazing rosters, then there might be an issue. But the thing is, he did win with all those rosters. So, there's my argument. And I really like what you said, Mike, about how he was the Zen master. I think that's something very interesting because you look at the difference between the players that Phil Jackson coached and that Greg Popovich has coached. Greg Popovich has coached. There's obviously a difference in, in personality. You didn't that's even true. mention yeah. Dennis Rodman. Yeah, He's Dennis probably one Rodman. Probably the weirdest. Yeah guys to ever play in the nba that's a good point but yeah. at the same time um there was extreme talent on those rosters mm-hmm. um we can look at last last week's podcast uh, a lot of those guys that you mentioned are, are in our top 10 that's a good uh, point Kobe, yeah, yeah. Shaq, michael you know each each one of them are our top five top 10 players mm-hmm. so let's hear from noah now noah who did you have as the greatest coach of all time yeah so uh, undoubtedly, I know that Greg Popovich is the greatest coach of all time. Um, undoubtedly. You know, yeah. So I'm not going to argue saying that Phil Jackson's a terrible coach. Uh, 11 championships, most of all time. That's, that's pretty impressive. Um, but like Michael already said, he, he's a great player coach. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that you could give him the teams that Greg Popovich had and, you know, he would do the same thing. Uh, no way. And, you know, I'm not going to argue that Phil Jackson was a terrible coach, but some great things that uh, Popovich did. Um, so he he's coached in the NBA 23 seasons. This is his 24th season. I didn't take this into account yet because, uh, you know, the season got canceled. Um, but out of the 23 seasons that he's coached so far, he's had a winning season 22 out of the 23. Uh, the only season he didn't, uh, was his first season. And looking back at that roster is pretty terrible. Um, plus his first year, you know, you got to cut him a little bit of slack. Uh, so 22 seasons in a row of just winning. He's also won five championships, which is third all time. Uh, and that's pretty impressive looking at the rosters that he's had. Um, the best players he's coached, uh, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, Kawhi Leonard. Um, those are the big names, but he's and never Kawhi had. before his prime as well. Kawhi, that's true. Um, that's very true, actually. You know, Kawhi didn't really break out, I'd say, until um, pretty much Toronto. That's kind of when. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of when he was just yeah. insane. Or, yeah, 2017. Because he almost won MVP, um, yeah. That's true. Um, but, yeah, what I really like about Greg Popovich is he knew how to develop teams and really work with what he had, which I think that's what makes him the best coach of all time. Uh, he never had multiple superstars on the same team. He really uh, just knew how to run a great offense and defense to beat his opponents. Uh, Michael said that, Greg Popovich had the best winning percentage of all time. And, you know, that's that's pretty impressive. But Greg Popovich also had a super impressive win percentage of 68%, uh, right. which that's two, pretty insane. Two percentage points behind, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty insane comparing the, you know, the skill level. Uh, and Greg Popovich, I was reading up, he also just was a really great um, master of the game. He knew, like, when was a good time to give his superstars rest, but that didn't mean that they were going to, you know, have their scheduled losses. He, he expected 
greatness out of all of his players, whether they only played five minutes a game or 40 minutes a game, you know. Um, and he knew how to build dynasties as well. I remember, you know, in the in the early 2000s, late 2000s, just the Lakers team was just so consistent every year, every year. And I think that's pretty hard um, to have a team that's constantly changing, that doesn't have, you know, their multiple superstars and to consistently make the playoffs as a high seed every year. That takes a lot of greatness. Um, yeah, that's also three-time coach of the year. Uh, 60% playoff win percentage, which is also pretty amazing. Um, yeah, that's pretty okay, much. So, no, you, you said something that really caught my attention. You said if you take Phil Jackson and put him as the head coach of the Spurs, you don't think you don't think the Spurs win. Mike, what do you think about that? You think if no we take Greg Popovich out and we put Phil Jackson at the helm, you think that they still win five titles? Honestly, I'm going to say no, all right? Because okay. in terms of player development, Greg Popovich is a ama- is better than Phil Jackson. Like just in terms of you know okay. getting rookies, building you know building a team from the bottom up, Greg Popovich is certainly better. And I think part of that is because he's the better GM as well. You know, obviously we know Phil Jackson is a terrible GM when he was on the Knicks. Um, but you know, Greg Greg Popovich he he ha- like comes up with a lot of roster moves and things like that. So you know, I have to give him credit there. He definitely knows how to develop players and, you know, scout players and do all that for sure. But I think you're kind of downplaying Phil Jackson's, like, system because you're. it's kind of like, yeah, he was a great players coach, but also Phil Jackson was, you know, he was a basketball genius. And I think that saying, um, you know, he did have talented rosters, but the thing is, I think if he wasn't as good of a coach, with a good roster he would have he wouldn't have won as many championships with different teams you know he the fact that he won 11 with you know pretty much four different teams i mean i think the bulls teams were a little different and then obviously Kobe really. Shaq. that one yeah, there was a lot really. of repeats so okay they, you, they, they you can the, say three different the teams yeah they had the main court again but you yeah, can say three, say different, three different teams, teams. the bulls yeah. and then the lakers with Shaq, and then the lakers with kobe and powell you know yeah and I think I think winning championships with each of those teams kind of demonstrates that it's not just a fluke. It's not like he was being carried by his players. I think he was, um, you know, getting. I think he was definitely contributing to those wins, and I don't think the Lakers would have won those championships without Phil Jackson, or at least like an equally comparable great coach. So, yeah, and I think that's okay. another big point is really. The fact that uh, Phil Jackson went from an amazing Bulls team to an amazing Lakers team, that that made it really easy for him to keep winning. That made him it it made it really easy for him to keep winning. Whereas Popovich, twenty two seasons in a row with the same team, so that means his team, the Spurs franchise, had to win twenty two seasons in a row, which. Uh, we know that the Bulls fell off real fast. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we see their organization today. Just <laughs> I don't even know when the last time they hit 500 was. So, um, Derek Rose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, it, 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 but Popovich, you know, from when he started to now, he's had winning seasons. And, you yeah. know, I, I think that, 
Popovich, I'm not sure if he would have won 11 championships, but I know he would have been really great with the teams that you mentioned, the, the Bulls team and the two Lakers teams, just because he knew how to adapt. Um, and that's very evident with, with the teams that he's coached, the that's players fair. that he's coached. And uh, I don't know if okay, he would have so done as well. But One thing I will say against okay. Popovich, though, is that he never repeated, like ever. That's true. He never had a repeat title. His titles, I think it was like 99. That's true. What, 2007? Or 2000? 99, 03, 05, 07, and 15. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, Phil. No, it was 14. 14. Yeah, 14 against Miami. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Phil Jackson had three three peats and one two peat, like, or not two peat, repeat. So, you know, basically all of his champions, like, were either succeeded or it was you know had a championship before it which i think is really impressive because part of coaching it's really hard to repeat in the nba in in any sport really because it's really hard to get your guys motivated enough to go back you know but phil jackson you know he did it he's he's a player manager and you know while he did have superstars and things like that again i don't think we should fault that against him i think just the accolades speak for themselves and yeah yeah was it really that hard to motivate kobe though or Michael yeah. Jordan. Yeah, I, well, is it, I don't know about yeah, Jordan. And that's is very it the Mamba mentality? With Come Kobe. On. I think he was self-motivated. With Kobe earlier on, like, he wasn't, he didn't have the Mamba mentality like, you know, he did in his later years, though. Kobe, like, had a lot of issues on those early Lakers teams with Shaq. And him and Shaq were always clashing. And Kobe sometimes didn't play in pop, in uh, Phil Jackson's system. So it was tough for Phil Jackson to deal with that. And Kobe wasn't always the player he was in the late 2000s when he won with Powell. So I, I think that okay. it was difficult. Go ahead, Alex. So one thing I'm kind of picking up from you two, and I want to propose it to you guys to see what you think. The way I'm hearing things is Greg Popovich is the greatest coach of all time, but that Phil Jackson is the most successful coach of all time with his ability to manage players and manage their personalities what do you guys think about that Noah well yeah I I could agree with that just based on the championships I don't know if Michael will agree with that but we could we could go the style of like I've heard of this it's um like there's the greatest player of all time and then there's the best player of all time so you could say in terms of coaching okay Phil Jackson's the greatest coach of all time because he has the accolades, he has the, you know, the championships and things like that. But Greg Popovich could be the best coach of all time because we know he has the ability. He just never had the, you know, the same rosters Phil Jackson had, but like we know if we swap them two, then hey, you know, Greg Popovich could totally win with with those teams. So there's that okay. as well. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very interesting to think about because you guys both said it. Greg Popovich is probably one of the best in player development. Mm-hmm. He can pick up anyone from the streets and, and turn him into an all star with a snap of his fingers. You know, I I think all three of us can can argue that Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili might not have been the players they were if they had Phil Jackson someone else teaching them how to play yeah well i think they would have still been good with phil jackson but like yeah it's not like it's not like they were going to be stars no matter where they went and stuff like that so yeah yeah i and then just my last kind of thing is 
I respect the triangle offense, but it's not effective if you don't have the person. If you don't have a it. superstar, yeah, exactly. Like if if Phil Jackson didn't have uh, two, because he pretty much had two superstars on every team, or at least all stars. Um, yeah. It, like the, I don't think the triangle offense would have worked very well on the Spurs, for example. Um, or you know, just just the offense. That was really the only offense that Phil Jackson knew how to run successfully. Whereas Greg Popovich was constantly adapting and you know changing things up, especially like when um, Kawhi almost won the MVP. You know, that was when the NBA started just knocking down three pointers. Yeah, three point yeah. ball became super famous, and you know that was probably something pretty different for. Greg Popovich, since he had Tim Duncan, they always just, you know, resorted to the easy post shots, the post mm-hmm. game. Uh, so he had a change, yeah. and, and he did, and that team was still super successful. Well, one thing you want to think about, though, is the Spurs in, like, their last year of really being good was 2017. Like, they, they really haven't come back since the whole Kawhi thing happened. And, I mean, honestly, you can't really right. blame Pop too much because – you know, Tim Duncan retired, Kawhi kind of bailed on them, things like that happened. So, honestly, you can't blame Pop too much. And, you know, even last year, they still squeezed in playoffs, um, which was pretty pretty crazy. Um, but this year, it didn't look like they were on track. But, honestly, can't, I can't blame Popovich for that, even though I'm arguing against him because this year's roster, like, wasn't that good. Um, well, you can't count yeah. him out either. You can't count him out. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he's still kind of dragging that team, kicking and screaming you know um yeah so yeah that's I mean, fair and and like i i i understand that but you also have to look like his uh just how long he's been doing this that's pretty impressive it's it's longer than i'm i might just be lying right here but i'm pretty sure it's longer than any other coach okay pat yeah. riley did it pat riley coached one year more but other than that Larry Brown. Yeah, there's not many coaches who have coached longer than than Phil Jackson. And Greg Popovich. Er, and Greg Popovich. Oh, Sorry, not Phil Jackson. I was I was gonna say as well. I think one thing I would I would like concede on is that um, if you're just talking about purely just being a coach, like being in those clutch game time situations, figuring out what to do, um, you know, I think that Phil Jackson is better. But if we're talking about including player development, scouting, you know, building a team from the bottom up, um, I think Greg Popovich is definitely a lot better. Like I said before, we all know Phil Jackson is terrible at, uh, you know, being a GM, making roster moves, things like that um, because of what happened with the Knicks. But, you know, we've always known Greg Popovich to be great. He literally like promoted himself to head coach and then was just like, all right, I'm just going to make these roster moves and do whatever. Like, the, the Spurs organization yeah, pretty much worked. gives him... Yeah, it's worked. Like, um, the Spurs organization's pretty much given him full control of just what he wants to do. And he deserves it because he knows how to get those players. He knows how to develop those players, things like that. One thing with Phil Jackson is he needs a good GM. He needs, like, someone who can build a roster for him because he can't do it himself. So that's why I'm, I'm like, willing to concede that, hey, Phil Jackson, great coach, you know... But just in that coaching role, he's the GOAT. But if we're talking that kind of expanded role where it's like, all right, you got to scout, you got to develop players, do things like that, Greg Popovich is certainly better, and he's proven it over the past 22 years. So, 
That's awesome. one thing I would definitely say. Well, there we are, guys. That's our Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich argument. Michael and Noah both coming in with some good points. Uh, I thought it was very interesting, the discussion. And there we are. There we have it. So during these difficult times, you know, we haven't had any sports. So we're trying to come up with ways to have sports. And the NBA has a pretty good idea to do so, you know, all digitally, which is the horse tournament. So they're going to have eight players compete in a horse tournament. You know, they're going to be taking shots over video. It's going to be live streamed on ESPN tomorrow night. We're recording this the day before. So we just wanted to go through the bracket and say our predictions for the matchups and who we're going to think is going to win. So to start, we first we have Trey Young versus Chauncey Billups. Personally, I think Trey Young is going to take this one. No disrespect to Chauncey Agreed. Billups, you know, he was a pretty good player, pretty journeyman NBA player, you know, when during his career, but Trey Young, you know, he's been in practice, he's been, you know, playing he, you know, he just played the season. Obviously, Chauncey Billups hasn't been playing. So I think that just gives Trey Young the edge. And also, I think Trey Young with just no defense is just going to... Like, I think he'll be able to make anything. I mean, look at the All-Star game. You know, he just sunk a half-court shot, like, just like that. So I think he can pick difficult shots and make them. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, Trey Young plays horse naturally. When he's on the basketball court, he just throws up crazy shots and yeah. and goes in. And there's there's no one like him. I think you could maybe argue Steph Curry would maybe be able to hang with Trey Young and Horse, but I don't know. It's it's pretty tough to hang with Trey Young. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Trey Young's just a much better shooter. Like Trey Young's already averaging more points uh, in just his first two seasons. Like he averaged more points in his. Uh, rookie season than Chauncey Billups did in his best season. So mm -hmm. I think it's a no-brainer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right, so um, Alex, you want to go hit the next matchup? Perfect. So we got Tamika Ketchum and Mike Connolly, the WBA legend against Mike Connolly, the, the Jazz guard. Um, I'm a big Mike Connolly fan. I won't lie. I think he's pretty talented, and I think – I think he'll take care of Tamika, even though she's she's a great player. She's a great basketball player, but I think Mike Connolly's got some handle here. Honestly, no one and I were talking about it earlier, and we think this might be our upset pick, Tamika beating Mike Conley. Okay. Um, I think it's just mostly because, obviously, there's no defense, so it's not going to be like, uh, you know, Tamika's going to have anyone guarding her, and... I don't really, you know, I don't, I didn't really watch her. I don't watch the M WNBA, but according to like a lot of sources and things like that, she's a pretty good shooter. So I, I could see her definitely upsetting Mike Conley, but like, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to pick Mike Conley over her because I mean, I'm not trying to disrespect him either. He's a pretty good player. And I think obviously, you know, with no defense or anything like that, I think he'll probably sink a lot of shots. What do you think, Noah? Yeah, I'm going to go with Tamika on this one. Okay. Uh, I just think she's a better shooter. Kind of like what Michael said. We already discussed this uh, behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, um, yeah, we, we, we talked about this. And no disrespect to Mike Connolly, but, uh, you know, it, it's no secret. He's not the best uh, shooter out there. Um, and... I mean, Tamika's already a Hall of Famer in the WNBA, so I think she's got this one down pat. Okay, okay. 
it's interesting. So who who's kind of our consensus consensus to move forward? I mean, it's it's two one, so <laughs> I think Alex kind of lost. Yeah, I definitely lost. But all right, sorry, all right, Mike, we'll I, say, I did my best. All right, we'll say the next one is Trey versus Tamika. But before that, we're gonna go to Zach Levine versus Paul Pierce. Noah, do you want to give your analysis on that matchup? Yeah. To me, this one's also pretty easy. Paul Pierce was a great scorer in his prime, um, but his prime is long gone. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking Zach Levine. Yeah, yeah, me too. Zach Levine definitely has been scoring a lot in the NBA, and, you know, with no defense, he's he's going to go crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I definitely think it's, it's kind of unfair. Zach Levine's way younger than Paul Pierce, but I will say Paul Pierce is a really good shooter. And the man, when he needs to put a bucket in the hoop, he can put a bucket in the hoop. I'm going to find it hard for Zach Levine to give Paul Pierce letters. And I'm going to say Paul Pierce wins this. Okay. Interesting, interesting. I I think it would be wrong to underestimate Paul Pierce. Like, even when he was an old man on the Wizards, like, he was still knocking down buzzer beaters. Like, I don't know if you guys remember that from a few years back. Yeah. yeah. um, Especially if he's been, like, you know, kind of practicing here and there. Like yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think underestimating Paul Pierce is the move here. I just think Zach Levine, you know, in games and things like that, he definitely will. Um, you know, he's been scoring a lot more, so I think Zach Levine will end up winning that one. So. Okay. But, Actually, you know what? I kind of. Uh, now I'm kind of stuck mind? in the middle. Ooh. I'm stuck in the middle. I'm. I'm Ooh. not changing my mind. I'm just. <laughs> See, I think you should change your mind, Noah. (laughs) Because let's think about this. Horse is all individual. Zach Levine's not going to be guarding Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce is just going to be shooting the way he needs to shoot. Unless Zach Levine does some wild between the leg, behind the back with a blindfold around his head dunk, I think Paul Pierce can hang with him. Yo, why doesn't he should just dunk? What is Paul Pierce going to (laughs) do? Yeah. (laughs) I don't think that's... I don't think that's... I'm sure there's the rule on They're that. They're probably not going to let him do that just for the sake of entertainment. Okay, so yeah, who's our consensus to move on? Because I do think it's going to be a little closer than like people imagine, but I do think Zach Levine is going to move on. Come on, Noah. Think about the truth. <laughs> I don't know. Zach Levine this year was averaging nearly 26 points a game. So... How many of those were dunks, Noah? <laughs> uh... <laughs> Let's see. He's shooting. He's shooting close to forty percent from the three-point line. That yeah, that's what I was gonna bring up too. He's definitely been a lot better in terms of shooting this year. So I, that's the main reason why I'm taking him. I think if he wasn't as good of a shooter, Paul Pierce would win. Yeah. Zach Levine's yeah, definitely he, stepped up this year, and yeah. Yeah, out of those twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-five points, nine of them are on three-pointers. So. I'm going to give it to Zach Levine. Sorry, mm-hmm. Alex. All right. It's all right. Alex is 0 for 2. I know Michael hates it. <laughs> Alex, Alex is over 2. <laughs> yeah, Michael, that was a little biased. Not going to lie. Hey, bro. Yeah. We'll, we'll see on, Come on. We'll see on Sunday, man. I, I'm confident. I'm I did confident. give Paul Pierce some credit. He's going to help me out. Uh, all right, all right. When he so, was on the Wizards, you gave him credit when he was on the Wizards. Well, no, he was still good. I'm. I only brought that up just to be like, all right, he was older and he was still knocking down shots. You know, he was past yeah, his prime. I think it's. Gonna I was be trying close. to give him credit. All right. I think it's going to be close. Anyways, next matchup we okay. got CP3 versus Alec Quigley. 
I think CP3 is going to win. Personally, I haven't watched too, obviously, I haven't watched the WNBA that much, but just knowing Chris Paul, and I think Chris Paul, one of the things he's got going for him is his footwork. So he can do a lot of cool moves that I don't think a lot of players can match. And by not a lot of players, I mean only probably like, you know, really good players like LeBron and KD can match. So I think in terms of just, yeah, like just footwork and like he can probably do a lot of fancy layups and fancy shots and things like that. So I think that's the main reason why CB3 would win. And he's a pretty good shooter. You know, he's not really known for his shooting, but I, you know, I still think he's, he's still a great shooter. But he can shoot. Yeah, he can shoot. Oh, he's a great shooter. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna agree on that. I don't have much much to add. Um, yeah. Okay. So I guess I'm just a I'm just a different guy here. <laughs> no, don't gonna, do it, Alex. I'm gonna call. Do I'm it. gonna call upset. No. Okay. Call upset. Okay. Okay. Listen, I'm doing some digging right now on this Alley Quigley, and I'm impressed. <laughs> I think. One one of these WNBA stars is going to pull off an upset. Yeah, um, Tamika. We already talked about Tamika, <laughs> and I and I didn't pick Tamika. I picked Mike Connolly. Uh, um, Tamika's older than Allie. Allie's younger. She's still playing, and even though she's thirty three, she's not in her prime. You could say she's shooting the ball better than she has ever in her career. These last three years. From the three-point line, she shot 43%, 42%, and 44%. Now let's look at Chris Paul in the last three years from the three-point line. He's shooting 38, 35, and 36. I think Allie's going to show up. She's going to do her thing. She's going to, you know, she's going to do everything she can to be able to make the WNBA proud. And I think Chris Paul's going to be a little bit stunned. I got Ali Quigley pulling off the upset. Okay, okay. You know, it's He's not all point. about it's not all about the three point ball though. Chris Paul but, is a mid range assassin. <laughs> mid range assassin. You don't think Ali you don't think Ali Quigley can hit the elbow with no defense? I think she can hit Bro, it's like it's like Steph Curry. You put him behind the three point line, he's insane. You just put him a step in front. No, you nothing. haven't even watched that much of Ali Quigley though. Probably haven't probably didn't even know her before. Yeah, the no, no, it's like I started playing high school. Like, no, okay, no, no, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to hate on Allie Quigley. Uh, no disrespect. No, me neither. Me neither. But yeah, I, I'm just saying, like Chris Paul, he's a mid-range assassin. I, I think, I think just because it's two to one again, I think we gotta go with Chris Paul. <laughs> Moving on. Hey, if everybody if, remember, if, hey, remember my pick. <laughs> this is all over. Remember my pick. We'll remember. And then you'll we'll have your remember. favorite. You'll ha- you'll have your favorite podcaster right there. <laughs> okay, okay. So the next matchup, if we're going according to the majority, it's going to be Trey Young versus Tamika Catchings. Again, Trey Young. Look at that form. All right. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, that is pretty nice form. So Trey Young, Tamika Catchings. I think Trey Young's going to win for the same reasons, like I said, the previous matchup he's been playing. We know he can pretty much knock down any shot behind the three, in front of the three. Great footwork. I think he can definitely put up a lot of challenging shots and win. 
Yeah, uh, I agree on that one. I'm taking Trey over Tamika. Um, also, you know, taking into account um, no one's going to be guarding them. I think Tamika is still going to put up a pretty good fight. I personally am taking Trey over Tamika just for the range. Yeah, you know, in NBA 2K, Trey would have the Hall of Fame range extender. Dude, he'd be hitting those logo shots like nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, if, if he pulls out a couple of those in the horse tournament, I think I could see him um, beating Tamika in the semifinals. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, I definitely have to agree with you too. I think Trey's just an acrobat. It'll be fun to watch him spin around and do a pirouette, you know, while making a three-pointer. I mean, he's he's pretty incredible. I I wouldn't be surprised if he takes some some bench shots. Maybe some shots from the seats. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He's pretty incredible. So we have a- you have to remember, um, this is most likely going to be done in like a in-home court. So it's not, it's not, there's not going to be like. Um, well, I just mean him sitting down on a chair from from where <laughs> that would be. Yeah, gotcha, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, we know he can do that. But Tamika Kachi does have the height advantage. She is taller than Trey Young. So, mm. so maybe she pulls out a dunk. <laughs> yeah, maybe she pulls out a dunk. Yeah, and Trey Young can't match it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's six two. Trey Young no, six she, one. She's not. Really she's not tall enough. Eleven. Yeah. All right, all right. So we'll move on to the next matchup. It's going to be Zach Levine versus Chris Paul. Personally, Paul Pierce versus Ali Quigley. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, all right. If it's that, if it's that, then I would pick. I'd probably pick Ali Quigley to beat Paul Pierce if the, if that was the matchup, but it's not going to be. Same. Right. I, I would agree. Anyway, but if we're going Zach Levine, Chris Paul, honestly, for the sake of argument, I'm going to pick Zach Levine. All right, CP3, no disrespect. No disres- Obviously, CP3 is great. I talked about him in the last matchup. But Zach Levine, I think he has more range. I think you know having that range argument uh, will definitely help Zach Levine. And I think that... Uh, I would really like to see a like a final matchup between uh, Trey Young and Zach Levine just to see who <laughs> who can shoot from farther. So that, that's why I'm picking Zach Levine. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to disagree with you on that, and I think Noah will too. Chris Paul, <laughs> I mean, he's still Chris Paul, even yeah. though I picked Ali Quigley. Uh, <laughs> the Chris Paul Ali Quigley decision was a lot closer than Paul Pierce and Zach Levine. <laughs> so I got Chris Paul. <laughs> Okay, okay, that's Respect. fair. That's fair. Respect. Um, yeah, I'm I'm taking Chris Paul over okay. over Levine. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean, I always have to go back to my argument, mid range assassin. He's shooting forty nine percent from the field this year, which that's that's pretty impressive. Um I mean, yeah, I think he's he's also a great uh showman, so he's gonna pull out some insane insane shots okay okay that's fair i won't necessarily argue with you guys but i still think zach levine definitely gonna pull off the upset in that one that's my upset pick all right so for the for the final round we got trey young cp3 i think if it came down to these two i gotta go with i gotta go with trey i just think he's the better shooter i think he can pull off you know more kind of crazy shots i guess you could say and i think it'll be harder for chris paul to match him what do you guys think Yeah, I gotta agree with that. I think Trey Young's gonna win it. Um, I do think it will be Trey Young, Ali Quigley, but it, uh, <laughs> the same way I, I think 
I think Trey Young's going to win it. I think he's just too he's just too talented. I feel like he's been waiting his whole life to play horse in front of a national audience. So it'll That's it'll fair. be pretty fun. Yeah. Um, at the beginning, I was going to say Chris Paul winning it all, but uh, but definitely looking at some of Trey Young's numbers, highlights, um, I, I'm i going to have to say Trey Young okay. is, is taking this one. Uh, just a better better shooter um, than Chris Paul, and that's not to knock Chris Paul's scoring ability, but uh, I think Trey Young is just going to have to uh, show – Show Chris Paul some new things, some new skills. All right. So, and uh, he'll yeah. take the W. So there you have it. Pretty much consensus on Trey Young winning, although we do disagree on the bottom part of the bracket, namely with Alec Quigley. Go Alec. But, you know, that's fine. That's fine. It happens. Um, but we're going to move on to our next section of the best MVP to the, the best performance in a season to never win MVP. So we'll see you guys then. All right, guys, so we're back with our last topic. Uh, what's the bit best regular season performance to never win an MVP? And this doesn't necessarily mean we think that the person uh, deserved to win the MVP more than, you know, whoever won. Uh, in some cases, yes, but not in all. Um, so we're going to start off by just presenting who we think won or who we think should have won an MVP. Um, and we're going to start off with, Alex. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to go back a few years to 2001-2002. I was not watching basketball at this time, but I can still respect and admire the stats that were put up by Shaquille O'Neal. This year, he averaged 28.7 points a game, 12.7 rebounds, uh, almost four assists a game, and three blocks. Uh, really incredible stat. Um, we could argue that it was voter fatigue that kind of kept him out of the race because he ended up finishing third this year in the MVP. Um, the year before, he won. And if you look at the stats, they're very similar. Uh, he scored like 0.3 points less per game, but everything else was really equal. And I think Shaq, you know, any other year, I think those – those uh, those stats definitely win. I think if you have a big man doing that in this year's NBA, I think he'll definitely put up an argument for the MVP. And I think Shaq had the best performance, hands down, without an MVP trophy to, to represent it. Okay, that's so fair. What do you guys think? Yeah, and, and keep in mind you know. that uh, that Lakers team was also the second best team in the in the NBA at that time. So that's definitely yeah. a, a really good, a good point, the argument. Um, argument there. And just just for the record, it was not the 0102, it was the 2000 2001 season. Oh, you're um, right. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, but, yeah. but still, I, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of these are just going to be voter fatigue. Like, you know, usually the best player doesn't win, it's just the best narrative. So, yeah. 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 I, I think it was Allen Iverson who won that year. And, uh, yeah, still deserved. Yeah, it was a great, yeah, well deserved. Yeah. He I, that year he averaged like thirty points. Um, so yeah, right. I think it was. Yeah, like and, and like you said, uh, like you said, to introduce the the segment, um, I think Allen was definitely deserving. He was definitely very valuable to that seventy sixers team, but 
you can't tell me that Shaq wasn't valuable to that Lakers team. Shaq was pretty incredible, and they ended up winning the finals pretty much on on that big black on that big back of of Shaq. So, all right, definitely. All right, Michael, you want to hit us all off right. with your pick? Yes, I'm gonna be picking James Harden from last year, 2019. Um, so, as we know, Giannis won the MVP. And I, w- I would actually argue that James Harden should have won it over Giannis. Like, I don't think... It's not that Giannis wasn't deserving necessarily. It's just James Harden had such a monster season. He should have won it. I actually think Giannis has a better case this year than he did last year for MVP. So I'll just get right into it. First of all, uh, James Harden had a worse team than Giannis. But, you know, he still put up better numbers. Which I think that's pretty big. You know, without James Harden, that team wouldn't have gone anywhere close to the fourth seed. Uh, you look at stuff like win shares, points, assists. James Harden was definitely more instrumental to the Rockets than Giannis was to the Bucks. And you got to think about, too, the Rockets were very injured this year or last year. Most of their players like had a lot of injuries, but James Harden managed to play 78 games, which is really impressive. Giannis played 72, which is still pretty good, but I think playing 78, only missing four games pretty impressive to me and one other thing you got to think about is Chris Paul you know he's he's kind of the co-star or he was the co-star in Houston he only played 58 games he was out for a good part of the season with because of a hamstring injury so just the fact that James Harden took him through that stretch and still won pretty amazing and then there's just some mind-blowing numbers James Harden had last year you know if you were watching, you remember James Harden just destroying everyone. 12 games in a row with at least five threes. 32 consecutive games with at least 30 points. Second all, that's and that's really the second all-time behind Wilt that's Chamberlain. Crazy. Which is, you know, it's Wilt Chamberlain. But yeah. Yeah, Wilt Chamberlain had like 100. It was, it was 65. Like it was 65. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. In, in a season. So yeah. And he averaged 41.6 points during that streak with over 30. So it wasn't just he... Got barely over 30. You know, he was averaging 41.6. He scored 40 points 18 times, had four 50-point games. These numbers are just mind-blowing. And when you couple that with the fact that, you know, he had the worst team, you know, I think we could argue the Rockets as a team were worse than the Bucks last year. Um, I think that that really improves his argument for MVP. Um, A couple counter-arguments, you know, Bucks, you know, they still had 60 wins. And the Rockets only had 48. But then again, like I said, Bucks had a better, deeper team. I would argue they had better coaching and, as well. And they're in the East. Yeah, they're the East. They do have a little bit of an easier schedule. And then one big counter-argument I see all the time is James Harden's free-throw shooting and his you know, ability to draw fouls. And like, yeah, obviously I agree with that. I don't really like that style of play either. But he's still putting up those points, and he's still contributing to wins. So that's why James Harden, for me, um, that's the most – that's one of the best performances that should have won MVP, in my opinion. Wow, that those are some really in-depth uh, stats. I really, I really like that. I didn't really um, ever think that Harden deserved it more than than Giannis, but after hearing that, uh, yeah, those are pretty, pretty insane. insane numbers. And Giannis had a great season, no doubt, but I just think James Harden should have won it last year. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and it's. And it's interesting too, you know. He, like you said, Mike, the best narrative is going to win it pretty mm-hmm. regularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's young. Milwaukee, it's a small market. He's the Greek freak. I mean, it, it, it's cool for it. It's cool that he won. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah. And speaking of uh, great narratives, you know, I know we weren't doing honorable mentions, but for mine, I, I had a lot of great choices to choose from. Uh, one of my honorable mentions was actually Pippin, Scotty Pippin in 93, 94. You know, I know he wasn't like pretty much ever in an NBA M- MVP debate, um, but that year he actually finished third in the MVP race. Uh, that was also the first year that Michael Jordan uh, went to go play baseball and he carried the team to nearly the same record. And he stepped up in every statistical category, um, averaging pretty, pretty great numbers. Uh, that was just one of my honorable mentions because it, it was a great narrative. Um, that actually might be an argument against Jordan (laughs) and like the all time debate, but that's That's for another time. That's for another time. That's true. (laughs) Um, but that, that year Pippen, I could have seen him winning MVP just because of, everything that was going on with that Bulls team, he still led them to the playoffs with nearly the same record. Yeah. They did get knocked out, but that's besides the point. Um, but my choice uh, was actually LeBron James in 05 and 06. Um, he was the youngest player to ever average 30 points per game, which that's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, he was 21 years old. And obviously – there's been one player who, who already, you know, caught up with him. That's Kevin Durant. Um, but at the time, he was the youngest. And he also led his team to be second in the Eastern Conference on a terrible Cleveland Cavaliers team. That was the first time that they had made the playoffs Awful. in a long time. Um, they were third in the league. He ended up losing to Steve Nash, which Steve Nash had a great year, 50-40-90 club. Uh I personally, though, would have picked LeBron over Steve Nash that year. Um, You think about it, like, there was one year Derrick Rose won the MVP. Why? He actually won it over LeBron, who I also think LeBron should have won it that year, just based on stats. LeBron should have won it a lot of years. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but Derrick Rose won. Why did Derrick Rose win? He was a great scorer that year, nearly unstoppable, led his team to the playoffs, um, just had a great run. And everyone took into account that he was young. They were also looking on potential. Derrick Rose didn't average yeah. 30 points that year. LeBron did. It was, he was so young. I think this was his third year in the league, second or third year in the league. Um, and, yeah, I just – he was also in a really hard conference. The Eastern Conference back then was really tough. Uh, especially with like the Pistons and just some other great teams. So I think the biggest snub uh, was LeBron James in that 05-06 season. Yeah, and I I might have to agree with you, Noah. That's very interesting, the things you talked about. And and in that time frame in 05-06 too, people weren't willing to give awards to, to young athletes. You know, that's not just in the NBA. That was in, that's in, that was in everything. You know, the first freshman didn't win the Heisman until Johnny Manziel in 2012. You know, and there's things like that all over sports where young people just didn't win things for a long time. And I think LeBron James, you could argue, was kind of a pioneer in that. Um, looking at those stats, I mean, I, I too, I think I would have picked LeBron averaging. Yeah. 31.4, seven rebounds, 6.6 assists. As much as it hurts to to stab Steve Nash in the back like that, yeah. 
those are pretty incredible numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stephen Stephen Ash, you know, definitely great. I still think he deserved that MVP, and there's still an argument to be made for him. But you know, LeBron is LeBron. We know that there's so many years that like, okay, he could have won MVP. You know, pretty much every year. I still think he's the most valuable player in the league to this day. So, um, you know, I definitely think that's a good argument to make. And I think there's probably a lot of LeBron seasons you can pull out and be like, all right, like he should have won MVP this year. He could have won it this year. You know, he could have won it in 2018. He could have won it just so so many other years. So, um, but, you know, voter fatigue, yeah. narrative, that all plays into it as well. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's a yeah. big thing is, is voter, voter fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, with Mike and I's pick, Shaquille O'Neal and James um, Harden, James Harden mm-hmm. both of them won the year before. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they they just didn't want to give him the repeat. Yeah, and with yeah, LeBron yeah. James, every everyone was talking about LeBron James and he was 16. LeBron mm-hmm. James, LeBron James, LeBron James. So definitely a little bit of voter fatigue, you know. I think yeah. I think that's a real real issue. And um, the only counter argument to that season was just based on Steve Nash's performance, like 50-40-90 club. There's very, very few players who have ever done that. And that was his second season in a row doing it, which that's pretty yeah. insane. Um, but based on teams, like LeBron's team won almost as many games as, as the Suns that year. Uh, but it was very obvious the, the Cavs were just a terrible team. Like I, I looked at the roster. I only recognized like two names and one of them was Anderson Barajal. Like, yeah, yeah. That it was bad. very bad. <laughs> very right. bad. So, um, yeah. All right. So that, that's, you know, that's our points for the best performances that number one MVP. Anyways, everybody, thank you for tuning in today. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast on Wherever you stream podcasts, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. We're also, you know, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like this video, you know, comment what you think about our arguments. Maybe, you know, argue with us in the comments. That's fine. I don't really care. Um, post but, post your favorite <laughs> season. Um, yeah, yeah. If you want to post your player. favorite, like, performance or, you know, your um, – greatest coach argument or whatever it is or you know maybe you want to agree with Alex your support for Ali Quigley yeah, yeah if you want to support mm-hmm. Ali Quigley or, or something like that in the comments please do so <laughs> yeah see you guys anyway, next week anyways all yeah thank you for tuning in um, always fun to do this show and I hope you all have a great week <laughs>